You're listening to Manifesting with Morgan and Madeline. Hi. Hi. Well, I'm so happy to have you back. Me too. I'm happy to be back. So we unintentionally had a, a pretty sizable break. I don't even know yeah. what the date is. Two months. Yeah. Almost. I mean. So today's episode is inspired in part by why we had to take a break. Yeah. And um, we're going to be talking about miracles. Yeah. And so I'm just going to start with a little synopsis of, of kind of where we're going. And mm-hmm. then I'm going to pass the baton to Madeline because she has a pretty mind-blowing story. <laughs> this this idea actually came to me back in March. I was walking around in in New Orleans. I had new shoes on, new leather flip-flops, and they hadn't really been broken in. And I was able to walk a few miles in my favorite city and not get blisters and not sweat to death, you yeah, know, and yeah. like just really enjoy the moment. And I was like, oh my gosh. That was a miracle. Mm-hmm. Like, it, miracles don't have to be these big, mm. huge, crazy, like, Jesus parting the water kind of things all yeah. the time. Like, there's miracles <laughs> in every moment. <laughs> it was Moses. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, I had this idea come to me while, during my walk. I was thinking about how in, like, contemporary psychology and personal development rhetoric, the word trauma is used to denote like a painful or challenging event that impacted our nervous system. Mm -hmm. And trauma is kind of a heavy, scary word to some people. And a lot of people are like, "Mm, I don't want to do trauma work. I never had any trauma. Like I had a good childhood. But Mm -hmm. really the way that they kind of discern that heavy trauma, scary trauma from like the mini traumas that still shape you mm-hmm. they they would say there's like capital t trauma mm-hmm. and that's violence severe neglect yep. abuse rape whatever that was the capital t traumas and so you know some of us are blessed enough to go through our childhoods without those yeah but we still experienced lowercase traumas like yes. our parents continuing to not pick us up from school on time or people bullying you or yeah, being talked over constantly like at the dinner table not like not seen yes yeah I had this light bulb moment with the like with the same thought process as the capital T trauma and the lowercase t trauma to make it more palatable and like accessible with miracles so there's the capital M Moses parting the water (laughs) miracles the (laughs) spontaneous healing of cancer the the, you know we have all heard of some kind of capital M miracle avoiding a car wreck being three seconds behind the car that got T-boned, stuff like that. Those are more like capital M miracles, but there's the lowercase M ones too. And I think that it's really important when manifesting to pay attention to the lowercase miracles and start to kind of get in that mindset of paying attention because that's just going to help increase your vibe Mm -hmm. and your, your point of attraction. Mm -hmm. And you taught me this. We had this talk. I didn't understand. Like I couldn't comprehend why you were using that word. Like I, I was like, but no. And then when you explained it to me and I started to understand the little M's were happening for me all the time. I just didn't associate them with that word. Yeah. I would just be like, yeah, it's awesome. Like good things are always happening to me, like that kind of thing. But there's a, there's a power when you can put the word miracle on it. Yes. It, it shows up more powerfully for me and my vibration. Like I have chills right now when I say it, you know, like I feel in my body a difference when I say miracle. Yeah. And that's important. And I learned that from you because y'all, if you pay attention, like so many little M's happen. Yes. All the time. And when you are 
are grateful and you see them, it's like, holy shit. Yeah, it gives your la- your life another layer of goodness. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I don't remember why miracles came up. I mean, it, but it was when you were going through a really hard time. Yeah. And I think that was part of why you were a little bit non-receptive to the, the word miracle. Because mm-hmm. the miracle that you probably wanted at that time wasn't, wasn't possible. Yeah, so yeah. you just kind of closed off to that mm-hmm. whole idea. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like, I want to be a millionaire, so I'm not going to accept, a, you know, a check for 10 grand. Like, yeah. But no. <laughs> you know, but but yeah, like the same sort of probably That's pattern. a perfect example. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited that you are willing to kind of share this huge, mind-blowing miracle. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to share with the world because part of what we're trying to do with this, this podcast and the content that we create is inspire others and yeah. seeing is believing, you know, seeing is believing a thousand percent. Why don't you set it up? Okay. Why don't you tell everybody what was happening, what happened and kind of get me to a place and then I'll take over. Okay. The last time that we sat down to do a podcast, we were just totally like in the flow all the way. It was yeah. a beautiful moment for Madeline and I. And at the end of the recording, just like she got a call from her stepdad saying that there was something urgent uh, that she needed to call. And he's not one to cry wolf. So we yeah. just abruptly stopped recording and she called and found out that her mom had passed out in the garage and was unconscious and not breathing. And he fortunately called the ambulance immediately and they had told him how to do CPR over the phone. Like that's miracle number one, you yeah, know? Yeah. And so he got her mom breathing again, but we didn't know how long she was unconscious and not breathing. So yeah. Madeline and I just jump in the car, rush to the hospital and then sit there for hours in uncertainty because nobody could tell us anything. They're just trying to get her mom stable. Yeah. Well, we didn't even know if she was alive. Yeah. My dad didn't know if she was alive when she left in the ambulance. He thought, I think maybe she started breathing again, but I don't know yeah so we didn't we didn't know yes yeah and that was that was probably definitely one of the hardest moments was waiting and not knowing anything yes that was terrible (laughs) I mean capital T terrible yes (laughs) like capital all the letters terrible I'm very close with my family we're a small little family we've been through a lot we've worked really hard to get to this place, everyone in my family's put in work. My mom, my dad, my stepdad, I call my dad. That's that's who I see in that light. My parents and I have worked really hard to get to a place with mutual respect and boundaries and love and just where we can really enjoy being together and and each other without all of the shit that we've all been through without bringing those things into our relationship anymore. Yeah. And and it's taken years and years and years to get there. So, I mean, I've always loved my mom dearly because I was an only child. I'm Mm -hmm. an only child. But my mom and I, our relationship had improved, I mean, tenfold over the last probably two years. Yeah. This was really devastating news to me is the point. Like, to hear that, that this was happening, it was life altering. Like, I don't think I'll ever be the same as before that moment, you know? Yeah. So we were waiting, 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 waiting. We don't know what's going on. Morgan was with me. Uh, my dad was there. <clears throat> and what they do is they tell you, go sit over here. And it's like a different place than the other people are sitting in the emergency room. They tell you, like, go sit in this 
other little hallway with these other chairs and there's nobody else in that hallway with the chairs. So I'm freaking the fuck out. Yeah. It's you just know? us three. I'm and like, we're just why are you there? telling me to go over here instead of over here in the waiting room with the rest of the people in the yeah. ER. And I'm just like, Oh my God, the doctors come out and I'm like, Oh my God, they're going to tell me she's dead. This is that moment. They're going to say, I'm so sorry. There's nothing we can do. And I just braced myself for it. And he said, she's alive. And I just feel like that was the first capital M miracle. Yes. Of like many, many, many to follow. But when I heard she's alive, it just, I was like, oh my God, she's alive. He's like, she's in extremely critical condition. You know, he had great bedside manner, this ER doctor. So they move us up to another floor and they put her in a room in ICU and they say, uh, oh, I said, can I see her? Yeah, so they, while we were waiting before she got transferred to the ICU, when she was still in the ER, a nurse came and grabbed Madeline and said, hey, do you want to see your mom? Because she's about to have a bunch of tests ran and the visiting hours might be over. Yeah. So another miracle, you know, that nurse had the wherewithal. She knew. Yeah. She could tell. Like, I I think the doctor could tell and maybe told her. I don't know. But like, I, I can't explain the energetic exchange that I had with that doctor yeah and maybe the nurse too in just like as a ricochet effect perhaps Mm -hmm. but like they knew where I was emotionally and I think that they knew they weren't sure yeah if she was going to make it yeah and so it was a kindness that they were extending to me to let me see her in case she didn't make it Mm -hmm. they let me back into like where like nobody's allowed to go yeah kind of thing it wasn't like a okay yeah we have people come back here it was like a hurry and you can see her really quick and then we got to get you out of here thing Mm -hmm. so I went back to see her and I just man it was it was crazy she definitely didn't look like herself and I just talked to her for I don't know I maybe had 30 seconds with her Mm -hmm. and I just said mom I'm here I love you you're gonna be okay and then I left. And so then they move us up to, <clears throat> or move her up to another floor in a room that's intensive care. The doctor came and uh, she sat down. She's like, what happened? You know, she wanted more information. And we told her, or my dad told her. And she pretty much told us, she used words like grim. I, I just remembered that word. Yeah. Because it's it's not a word you hear often. And it's like such a heavy nasty word like yeah grim. ew she basically told us to be prepared that we need to probably think more along the lines of preparing ourselves for if she doesn't make it yeah and this was the doctor you know telling me this mm-hmm. so I'm like fuck you know basically in this state what they do is they flip you over on your stomach and the reason that they do that is so the blood can get to your lungs so you can breathe yeah into your heart, into your like vital organs, because if you're lying on your back, it's harder. So they, I forgot what they call it, pruning, I think. They flip you over. So they flipped her over. She wasn't breathing on her own. Nothing was working on its own. She was basically hooked up to, machines were keeping her alive. Yeah. So the last time that I saw someone in that condition, I saw him in that condition, and I thought, well, he looks good. You know, he'll be fine. And then the next day, he died. Yeah. And so I just had that memory and it just terrified me. That was my experience with the pruning and this situation. I don't know, two days later, I I don't know the time frame, but at some point they said, okay, well, she's not dead. She's made it 48 hours and she's not dead. Uh, We're going to flip her over. And again, 
they used the same language. They told us again, be prepared. If she can't use the ventilator on her back, that's it. Well, and she was in a coma still oh, yeah. for the all this time as yeah. well. Yeah. And just And they paralyzed her. Yeah. So everything is on working on machines basically. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. So she was naturally in a coma, obviously, but then they paralyze you as well so that you know, you can't hurt yourself or if you do move or I, I don't know, the body can work on heal. I don't know all the reasons, but yeah. So yeah. So they said, uh, we're going to flip her over. And if she can't breathe on her own, um, you know, then, then we have an answer. So basically we're just taking time to get answers. Just felt very much like this is the process that we use and this is the possible outcomes, but this is most likely the outcome. Yeah. And this is just what we do. And I'm like, okay. So they told us again, be prepared. Well, they flipped her over. And um, I don't remember the timing again, but she she was okay. That was probably on Sunday, Sunday. or Monday. I think it was Sunday. Yeah, because the reason I remember so clearly is because I was on my way to Mexico for a week mm-hmm. uh, that Sunday. Mm-hmm. So that Friday, everything went down. I had all day Saturday to prepare to go out of the country. And yeah. I'm like, just so with you. Like, yeah. I'd, I would have stayed here in a heartbeat if yeah. you needed it, you yeah, know? of course. And, yeah. like, my heart was with you the whole time I was there. I know. I wanted you to go. I mean, there was no way. So, um you're right, Sunday. Mm-hmm. And Okay, so they did that, and um, Monday, she was still alive. And at this point, they're starting to say, like, huh, well, maybe we'll try to wake her up. So they took her off paralysis. So the first step is you take you take the paralysis, and that took a while. Yeah. And then <clears throat> they tried to wake her up, and she didn't wake up. I don't remember how quickly after that that I was like, no, we have to try again. But, I mean, I feel like it was the same day. This time, like 10 people were in the room. At this point, you know, you have to understand there's neurologists involved, there's cardiologists involved, there's the ICU doctor and their staff and their team involved. There's people, I mean, pulmonary people involved, like, because she's got all this shit happening. Yeah. She's got pneumonia. She's, she can't breathe in her lungs. She's got, you know, some kind of infection there. Her heart stopped. Her brain didn't get oxygen for this amount of time. Like, it's just like one thing after another, after another. So they, they try again and she was like, Deborah, Deborah, that's my mom's name. Wake up. And my mom just didn't respond. And I was like, I want to try to wake her up. And, uh, my dad's like, well, let me try first. I'm like, okay. So my dad tries, she doesn't wake up. And I'm like, I want to try. And she woke up. Everybody in the room like cheered and clapped and was like, woo, like it was it was incredible. I just keep seeing you like as Aaron Brockovich, <laughs> like you like totally like I manhandled these doctors. I, I did. You're like, you don't know my mom. You don't know my mom. I did. <laughs> well, I did. I literally told them that when they were giving me all this information. And I was like, I, I'm so thankful to have it. But you don't know her. Yeah. You don't know her. I know her. She's going to wake up. And uh, she did. And so that was the first step. And uh, the second step was, okay, well, she's awake. But can she breathe on her own? They wake you up or her up with the tube still in. Mm -hmm. She's still intubated. They have to take it out. You can't be awake with that thing in you. You, Okay. You can't. So it's, so they have to take it out. So they take it out. They put her on, you know, oxygen. They, again, here's another step. Well, we have to see if she can do this on her own. If she can't, we have to put her back in the coma. Yeah. Well, she wasn't doing very well with that. I just talked with her every day. Mom, I'm here. Bruce is here. We're here. You're going to be okay. This is what happened to you. And I mean, I read her a book. I watched a movie with her, you know, just like normal. 
I'm like, she, I know she can hear us. I, I just know. When I left, I was I just like, this is, something's not right. Well, they call us. I swear to God, we sit down with our food. The doctor calls. And I'm like, fuck. She's like, you need to get back up here now. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. So we go back up. And they're like, we're going to have to put her back in a coma. And I'm like, why? Like, what's going on? And they're like, well, she's she's fighting. So there's different types of oxygen machines. And they need her to be able to be on the one that goes in your nose. Mm-hmm. Not the big mask that looks like the kind on the airplane. Yeah. And she was only staying alive and breathing with the big one. And when they tried to put the nose one in, her oxygen was dropping. Her blood pressure was dropping. Her heart rate was dropping. And they're like, she can't breathe. She's not strong enough to breathe through her nose. Mm -hmm. She can only breathe through her mouth, which is not good. And we're going to have to put her back. And I'm like, no. Because I knew if if you're going to do that, that's not good. So I said, can I talk to her? And she's like, yes. So I go in and I get really close and I explain to her. I said, mom, listen to what's happening. Like, you, And just so y'all know, she's totally out of it. I mean, she can't speak. The only thing that she could say when we, when we woke her up, she, we were like, what's your name? And she was able to say Deb. And everybody just cheered. We were just so excited. But that's it. You yeah. know, she's out of it. She has no idea what's going on. She's, you know coming off paralysis medication. She's been in a coma. I mean, it's just nuts. So I'm talking with her and I'm like, mom, listen, you have to breathe through your nose. You have to, you're going to die if you don't Mm -hmm. pretty much just gave it to her straight. And they're going to, they're going to put that tube back in your throat. I told her that. And I knew that was going to freak her out because she didn't want that tube back in. I said, this big thing that you have on your mouth, we have to take it off. But you can breathe. We're going to give you the little nose machine. And if you can breathe through that, you can stay awake and we can get better. I just kept kept beating it in her head like, you have to do this. You have to do this. And I said, okay, try again. And they did. And she did. And so now they're starting to see a pattern, the doctors. Yeah. And I'm thankful because they're not assholes. I mean, they were incredible people. They were incredible doctors. I've never been more impressed in my life. Mm -hmm. And they had seen enough, but on both sides that now that they were seeing what was going on, they were like, okay, well, we want you involved. Yeah. We want you with with us on the rounds. We want you to know what's going on because you're a critical part of her recovery. But also like they've seen how important it is when people are in this state to have someone that they know and love Mm -hmm. be there with them and how differently those stories can go when you have someone versus when you don't. Yes. So I appreciated that they were receptive to that and welcoming to that and that they, they see for the second time that there's a different level of understanding when I'm talking with her because I, because I I explained to her, I said, she feels safe. She doesn't know y'all, but she knows my voice. And if I'm telling her something, she's like, okay, I can trust this. This is what I need to do. And I I know my mom so well. And I'm like, you have to explain things to her because she's a control freak. (laughs) (laughs) And she has to know the why. All of her team started to use this process with her. And it was beautiful. I mean, it was just incredible. These are all the the miracles. These are all big ends at this point, like every single one of them. She fully wakes up after, I don't know, maybe two more days. Like she really woke up, like came to. I think it was Wednesday. Okay. Yep. So that sounds about right. Her words were kind of funky at first. And we knew that that was a possibility because she had been without oxygen and all this stuff. Well, long story, she lost her vision and, um, that was scary mm-hmm. for her, but 
through the process of her continuing to be in ICU, they moved her from the critical critical to like the medium critical, right? And then they moved her to like the less critical. And then they're like, we're going to put her in the, the regular hospital. So like at this point, we know she's doing better. Her heart was clear. Her pneumonia was better. I mean, she just was like overcoming like one thing after another. They scanned her brain. They saw there was some damage and they, and it's in the cortical part where her eyesight is concerned. So her eyes are fine, but her brain can't process what she's seeing. Mm -hmm. So that helps explain the eyesight. But they said she's going to be confused about a lot. She has none of that. None. She can tell you her name. She's going to write, like, she can write you a letter. She's like, uh uh-uh. Like, I know where I live. I know my name. I know my phone number. I mean, any and everything that you're not supposed to be able to do with that type of brain injury, she can do with, except the sight. Yes. So all these are miracles. Her staff, again, just continues to be incredible. The support, people are praying over her. We had a, a prayer chain going. I believe, without a doubt, that that was a huge part of the recovery also. Like, I'm sure of it. And that was part of the miracle. Yeah, it was part of the miracle. Like, on that, th- we have 20 people on that thread, maybe. Yeah. And then maybe I have two or three other little group texts going on. I mean, overall, there are probably about 100 people once it filtered down that were. Yeah, because I'm telling my <laughs> people, like, please pray, you know, for yeah. my friend's mom, like, yeah. that don't directly know you. Exactly. So there's and, way more than you even realize. Right. So, like, trickling down, I'm sure there was close to 100 or maybe more. And that was huge. And, uh, and she knew that. I told her that. And, the more she understood that, the more hope it gave her. And I, I was so surprised that she responded that way to that because th- the way she really is is, like, very private and doesn't want anybody to know anything about her. And she just embraced that so fully, and I knew at that moment that she was going to live, period. This is a changed woman situation. Like, there's no explanation. And doctor after doctor and nurse after nurse, they told us, we, if ever have rarely ever seen anything like this before. Yeah. And <clears throat> I have chills again because <laughs> it's just, you know, this is coming from expert people. Like, they're not trying to sell us something. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's no motive for them to tell us this except the truth. And she just continued to blow everybody away. Well, the scary part through this is that she has all these scans done and they find <clears throat> a mass on her pancreas. And so we had no idea that that was going on. And, you know, you hear that and you just automatically go to, like, the worst place ever. Yes. You know, you're like, oh, my God, pancreatic cancer. Well, we do some research uh, and I choose an oncologist that I found was, like, top ten in the country. And the fact that we were even at this hospital that's connected to one of the best cancer centers in the country, like, by far the best cancer center on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. And that this... One doctor in this hospital is a pancreatic specialist. It's just, these are miracles. These are miracles. These are miracles over and over and over. Well, basically, from this point, we have more tests done, and they confirm that the mass has is localized. It hasn't spread. And these are the oncologist's words. Like, this case is curable. Yes. We can cure this. Yeah. We can cut it out. We can zap it. And you are like the 1% that's curable with pancreatic cancer. Because they caught it so early <clears throat> because yeah. of this. Because of what happened, yeah. But and to me, that's that's the overarching miracle. It is. Like, I'm getting goosebumps yeah. because 
while I'm sitting with you in the waiting room, oh my gosh, I knew I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> but like I had this, this like deep knowing that there was a purpose behind this. And yeah. I know I irritate you sometimes <laughs> when I, cause I, I really do believe there's a meaning behind everything, even the most horrible, terrible things. Like there's something beautiful that's going to come out of it. There are miracles that come out of hardship. In that moment, I knew it wasn't like Morgan brain talking. It was something greater than me. And right. it was like, there's, there's a purpose behind this. There's yep. something she's going to be okay. And there's, this is going to lead to something bigger, some bigger healing, yeah. some opportunity. Mm -hmm. But and yeah, it was, it was spot on. You know, your, your intuition was correct. Because yeah. Had this, none of this happened, we would have not found the cancer and we certainly wouldn't have found it so early. We, it would not be curable. And yes. then we would be, we would have been dealing with a different problem. The reality of my mother is she would have not gone to the doctor. Yeah. So there's no way we would have found it. It would have just killed her is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like we would have, <clears throat> we would have just kind of watched it happen and she would never have gone to get it checked out. Just, that's just how she is. Yeah. So all this to say, uh, we're now working with the oncologist. She's getting like every day she's stronger and stronger. She's to the point now she can stand up on her own, completely walk around, no walker. She's only had in this whole process, maybe three days of just like shitty attitude days. Yeah. And I'm like, well, bring it on sister. You know, like that's incredible. Yeah. And the shitty days have been really shitty, <laughs> but I mean, in the scope of things and what she's been through and how much pain she, I mean, her ribs are all broken from the CPR. I mean, she's just, it's like one thing after another, you know? So just even to breathe and to move is hard, but she's completely off of all oxygen, which is insane. The largest equivalent to the, to the pancreas overarch is my mother has been a smoker for 40 years and a drinker, a heavy drinker for 10. Not only has she obviously not touched a cigarette or a drink since this happened, but she has decided that she never will again. And my mom would tell you, I will smoke and drink till I die. Mm -hmm. There was never, not even an ounce of a personal desire for her to quit. What ended up coming to light after all the tests and after we really is that she learned and understood that that was the cause of this whole situation. She had smoked so much and it was humid that she was hardly able to breathe and she had drank so much that she got sick. And when she got sick, it choked her and she couldn't breathe. Uh. And that's what took her oxygen and that's what, that's how she passed out and that's how she stopped breathing. Yeah. And, uh, she just understands now like, holy shit, I'm being given a second chance, you know, and, and her attitude's totally different. So that in itself, I cannot explain to y'all the miracle that that is. Yeah. I cannot, this woman, if you, t if you talk with anybody about big kahuna, they're like, get her a beer and cigarettes. She's doing really well now. Um, we're preparing for the upcoming surgery. Um, she's physically, mentally really improving really quickly. She's home, and that's really helped a lot. And we've got her medications managed, and she's not being woken up every two hours so she can sleep, which is healing. And also my daughter is able to visit with her, and they're so close, and that's for both of their spirits they just need to see each other. Mm -hmm. They love hanging out together. We're preparing for surgery, and um, we believe fully that she's going to have a full recovery. And hopefully all our listeners maybe can send a prayer, a thought, and continue to believe in the big miracle. And 
it it sounds so crazy to tell the story. It's just mind blowing. And at this point, all of her doctors call her like the miracle case. Like she is the, they literally use that word. Like her oncologist is like, you are the miracle case. Yeah. You know, you just are. I have a totally newfound <laughs> or, or reunited faith within myself from this experience. So we, yeah, we believe that we're going to have a full recovery and I'll see it happen very soon. We'll see it happen very soon. Yeah. So, Obviously, this is a very vulnerable, personal topic, and uh, I just think it's really powerful because I also believe that we're here, obviously, for a reason, and we have this platform, and I'm sharing this because I'm living this. You know, we've said this before. We aren't coming from a place of telling anybody what to do or or how to live their life. We're coming from a place of love and care and experience. Yeah. When we talk about manifesting and we talk about miracles and we talk about rewiring your brain and all these things that we are teaching about and are because we love ourselves and we love our people. Yeah. And we want to bless everyone around us. So hopefully this story can help with that. I'm witnessing a miracle in real time right now because I've known you since 2013, 14, Mm -hmm. and you've been closed, closed, closed to watch you just open up like that. Like that in itself is a miracle. And I'm really proud of you. Thank you. This whole process with the podcast and all the things (laughs) has been a miracle for me to be in alignment with what I really, truly want, which is to bless everyone. I believe wholeheartedly that the blessing is in the sharing. Being a vessel. Just being exactly like being a vessel and being open and vulnerable with anyone listening that's even a stranger. This is so real. While I was in Mexico for a week, I manifested a free trip to Mexico for a week. (laughs) And uh, I was with my mom, my stepdad, and my stepsister, and... There was some great miracle for me that I could still be present, but Mm -hmm. also with you at the same time. And Madeline introduced me to yoga like a couple weeks before Mm -hmm. or maybe the same week. I don't even know. I think it was like a few days one week or less yeah yeah so I I was we were all excited we're gonna start doing yoga together I was blown away that number one you agreed to do it but then number two you agreed to do it again I was like oh yes well so the resort I was staying in Mexico offered yoga at 9 a.m every morning on the beach and Somehow I convinced my mom to do it with me. My intention with the yoga was to take that hour to really focus on praying for you and your mom. Mm-hmm. And the fact that my mom agreed to do it with me, mm-hmm. it was like this this beautiful energy that I was able to mm-hmm. channel. And like, that was a miracle, you know, yeah. like the fact yeah. that my family went on a trip together when we haven't gone on vacation with them in over a decade. Yeah. And it was, we got along and it was just so beautiful and it was like one of the first times I've let myself just receive something mm-hmm. be present and then that like set this foundation that I've just been I've been riding the wave man yeah just the you presence. really have yes like to the point that when we did yoga yesterday yeah that you were like yeah I don't have squirrels in my head I'm here and I'm like yeah you are <laughs> I was like wow like yeah so I mean you are you're on the wave for sure 
a miracle. Yeah. Like where I am right now compared to this time last year, mm-hmm. I, I don't recognize my life yeah. in the best kind of way. <laughs> yeah, I, I could probably say same, but in a different way. And something like this happens. You hear cliche things. But unless you've just experienced it, I, I, I don't know that there's a way to explain the feelings and the it's a it's a moment that you're forced to be present and you're forced to take things not only day by day but even moment by moment Mm -hmm. and the reality is that's life intention yes for us when you're really in that space it's the cliche thing is like you think about like this could be my last moment yeah or this could be her you know you don't know but that is not a quote you put on your wall like that shit is real Uh, yeah live your life like it's your last day kind of thing right yes the belief is why my mom's alive not just mine but everyone's collectively yeah she's good we got this she's gonna be okay and over and over and over and over and I'm like this was part of why she's okay a hundred percent period yes to kind of wrap it up Mm -hmm. I I think you have to really get in that miracle mindset yes. in order to to manifest yes. like you have to believe that you can yes. get get what you want to some level or why mm-hmm. why would you even make a vision board or a list of what right. you want your dream life to look like yeah I'm, I'm all about baby steps yeah. baby steps in this chapter of mm-hmm. my life and I think just starting to pay attention to the little things that are actually baby miracles, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, little and, little, miracle, little M's. Yes. Baby M's. And yeah. so many people I admire do gratitude lists where, like, something, they get blessed with something and they'll write it down. Or every morning or every night they have a ritual where they'll be thankful for five things from the day or something mm-hmm. like that. Right, like, right. just take a little whatever works for you, some kind of practice and habit Mm-hmm. of paying attention to miracles of acknowledging them yes and and really I'm telling you using the word miracle yes like the word itself is actually really powerful it's a shift yes it's a mental and vibrational shift when you go to from gratitude to miracle it there's a shift yes we, we continue with gratitude use that word because it's going to prime your yeah brain to receive ready for these huge miracles like what Madeline just experienced yes absolutely the final thing that I I would advise in the miracle category is to take time to be present especially in nature or in somewhere that you feel safe Mm -hmm. and just take a moment 10 minutes as long as you can tolerate Be, be still yeah be still Think about your body and your organs and how they're keeping you alive. Yeah. Think about what you're seeing around you. Like really think about like all the little miracles that are occurring in real time, keeping mm-hmm. life sustained. Right. Nature does not hurry yet. Everything is accomplished. That in itself is the miracle. We don't tell ourselves to breathe. Yes. We don't tell our heart to pump, but it, it, it's occurring. We're on a planet spinning around in a universe. <laughs> Have you ever, like seriously. The miracle is is life. I think the miracle is in the moment, too. Yeah, it's all around us, all the time, every day, every moment. I love that advice to, to sit in nature. I think that's, that is the place. Being present in general, I think, is good. It is. But I think, If yeah. you can get to nature, it, it's a great place to start because it sets a foundation of understanding, like, how life builds from that place. Yeah, and and really the point of that is just to start to build a lens 
or a perspective where you're starting to be more aware of miracles in your life. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I just wanted to say a few things before we wrap up. First, I wanted to mention that while I was editing this podcast episode, I remembered the first mini miracle that I discovered during a very hard time last year. I had a orchid plant that I had had for years suddenly bloom flowers and I was just blown away by the fact that something that I really did not think was possible, this plant sprouting flowers again after years, it happened. That was just like a little subtle thing and like a very dark time. I'm like, okay, this was a miracle. I really need a miracle to get me out of this hard time. So I would look at my orchid on my desk every day and it would remind me, I believe in miracles. I believe in miracles. Yes, a plant flowering is is not like this big substantial life-changing thing, but it was just a nice reminder, like anything is possible. And so for a few months, many times a day, I would repeat after myself, I believe in miracles. I believe in miracles. Just when I thought it couldn't get any worse, a big, beautiful opportunity came along that I never could have imagined. Sure enough, I attracted a miracle. I just wanted to include that because I forgot to mention it in the episode just to help kind of get you in that that mindset and able to start really thinking about all the little miracles that happen in your life. Also, I wanted to mention if you wouldn't mind rating, reviewing and sharing our podcast if you like our content. And also, please follow us on Instagram, manifesting underscore with underscore MM. We create great content to pair with our podcast episodes. And we would love it if you would follow us and share our posts. Let's spread the good word. Thanks for listening. This